The average American owns 50 unused items in their home. It's me, Cindy. When it comes to that statistic that I just read the other day, I'm guessing I'm way above average because I just went on a cleaning binge. Okay, not a binge exactly, but a step farther than usual where I cleaned out where I keep the bathroom cleaning supplies and found six sponges and 11 old toothbrushes. Toothbrushes are great for getting into those little crevices when you're doing more than a lick and a promise kind of cleaning, but 11? So that's 17 right there. I also found three bottles of spray tile cleaner, an empty bottle of dog shampoo, two bottles of Mrs. Meyer's bathroom cleaner, one lemon scented, one lavender, two empty hand soap dispensers. So that's 25 used items in one tiny space in one room of this entire house. So that 50? Who has only 50? Unless they mean per room. I know I've talked about this before. Episode 9, where I came back from the grocery store and found that I already had multiples of whatever it was I had just bought again and having too much stuff. But this 50, this 50 unused items thing is a new angle. And I find it a bit rattling. It's almost keeping me up at night. Pondering the enormity, I was looking out my bedroom window as I waited for sleep and I did a quick count there as well. Two scarves draped over the curtains, four crystal hangings, a few little glass vases on the windowsill, and that's just one window in one room. Again, so much stuff. But to be fair, I love the way that window looks, so I'm going to say none of those things fall into the unused items category. Aside from being painfully aware of how much stuff I am surrounded by, I'm not sure what more than that I can do. I address a cabinet or a drawer occasionally. I find if I have a half hour or more and I just jump in without too much forethought, which can make me change my mind, I can make a big difference in at least one tiny space. I'll continue to do that, hoping that once done, the extra room doesn't create something of a vacuum to pull in more things that I'll need to address in the future. Sometimes stuff seems like hamsters or rabbits. You know, you open the drawer or the door and it's more jam-packed with hamsters than it was the last time you cleaned it out. You know what I mean? But the big spaces, that's where the most chaos and clutter lives. The basement, the garage, the attic, none of which have any measurable free space at this point. Not that I'm proud to admit that. I had a big gonna go in the attic and purge plan, but there's an easy escape clause to put that off because it's the attic, which means it's victim to the temperature. It's either way too cold or far too hot about 90% of the time. So I need to schedule my attic adventure for the handful of days in the spring or fall in order to follow through. And then on those days where it'll be just neutral enough to work, I've got to make sure I've got the free time to devote. That's not the kind of job you can start and pause. Once you start pulling apart the Jenga of boxes and bags, you really need to see the job through. To be fair, I gave it a good start in the spring, but just as I got about a third of it out of the attic and into the upstairs hallway, Catherine called to say she was coming home for a visit. So I had to reload the attic to clear the hallway that leads to her bedroom, and that was the backslide of what tiny bit of progress I'd made. So attic on the list for the fall, for that one or two perfect day or days when the temp hovers around 65 and I can devote about eight hours, 16 hours, heaven help me if it hits 24 hours, to reduce the overspill. And then, well, the next step is parceling out what I've removed. That's hurdle part two. You think getting in the attic is a challenge? Well, it's dwarfed by then what? When you end up with bags and boxes of things that once meant something or still are perfectly able to serve a purpose, but just not in your house. Here are the options as I see them. One, garage sale. 
If you've done one lately, I'm guessing you're already recoiling in horror at the idea, hauling everything outside, loading up tables, putting up signs, bargaining all day, winding up maybe with $100 if you're lucky, and still way too much stuff, and you still got to get rid of that stuff. Plus, unless it's a summer garage sale season, it's not always easy to get enough people coming by to make it even slightly worth the effort. Which all goes to say, garage sale, not an option for me. At least not at this point. Plus, if I have a garage sale... I'd be inclined to want to empty the garage as well, and that idea makes my head throb. Two, try selling stuff online. So many options. Thread up for clothes, eBay for collectibles, or or just sell my stuff locally on Facebook. That must be working because I noticed there are a lot of yard sale-ish groups that have popped up lately. Matter of fact, I've noticed that my Facebook feed seems to be dominated by sale postings plus a lot of paid ads. Have you noticed that too? If I have the time, of course, any of those options also require additional work, taking the photos, writing descriptions, working whatever delivery system would be required, maybe a trip to the post office, maybe meeting somebody in front of 7-Eleven. On her way out of town, my friend Judy gave me a bag of dresses that I volunteered to donate for. But when I looked in the bag, I found some great, some beautiful formals, cocktail dresses, summer dresses, and I thought, they're all worth trying to sell for her instead. So now they're all hung in my office waiting for me to take their photos and sell them. On Etsy? Poshmark? Facebook? Or do I take them to a consignment shop? Mail them to thread up? You get the feeling the real question here is, will I ever do any of it? Or will they go the way of so many other ambitious intentions? And on to da-da-da-da-da, number three, my favorite lazy girl option, donate to a thrift shop. There are several church thrift shops around town. It's a win-win because I get rid of things I don't want any longer without throwing them away. You'll notice throwing out is not on my list of options. And the church gets to make some money off them. Plus, in many cases, they donate articles on to people who need them and can't afford to pay. I like that, too. That one thing that is barely, rarely an option is throwing things away. It's my Achilles heel, my kryptonite my prison, if you will. I can't bear the idea to take something that can still be of use to somebody, anybody, and just end its ability to serve a purpose while knowingly adding to the planet's immense piles of garbage we've created. That, on top of the emotional baggage of, but Catherine loved this little stuffed bear, or I remember when I bought this string of butterfly lights with the intention of fill in the blank. But while it's hard to get rid of things in general, At least I don't have too difficult a time getting rid of clothes. I'm able to give them away pretty easily, knowing that someone else may very well appreciate them as much or more than I did. But wait, let me qualify that, because there are some clothes I had or have a hard time parting with. Several hanging in my closet, tucked away in a dark corner so I don't have to face my guilt every time I grab a hoodie. But sometimes I get clever and industrious. Rarely, but sometimes. Or at least once, when I took that rose-colored t-shirt that I still loved, but apparently shrunk in the wash and was suddenly too tight, I hate when that happens, and turned it into a cover for a toss pillow. You better believe there was plenty of self-congratulating getting that done. Yay, me. But there are more t-shirts that I love and no longer wear. So many more t-shirts currently living in a box in the attic, waiting for the day that I turn them into. You ready for this? A t-shirt quilt. Great idea, right? That's what I thought. I have a friend who makes t-shirt quilts, although she has a sewing machine, the know-how, and the interest in getting it done. All I have is the t-shirts, but who's to say I won't? Oh, who am I kidding? The likelihood of my ever waking up in the morning and saying, hey, why don't I sew up a t-shirt quilt today by hand is less than likely. 
Turning one into a pillow cover wasn't difficult. Two sides are already sewn. You just have to fold in the neck and sleeves part, sew across there and sew up the bottom and yay you. But a quilt? Well, the way I see it, you'd have to cut the square, attach it to some sort of batting or backing, then connect all the squares and attach them to a backing. Or you could make squares from the front and back of each t-shirt, fill with something to make it warm and You still have to sew them all together. It's a good project if you have a sewing machine and know how to use it. In both counts, I am disqualified. When I talk about giving t-shirts a new identity, I think of my idol, Alex Eves, who is the master of reusing. The guy is inspiring in his devotion to not throwing anything away. He's made it a lifestyle and built a business from it. Stay Vocal is the business. He sells t-shirts, among other things. And yes, I've bought some of his t-shirts because, you know, I love a nice t-shirt. But here's what makes his t-shirts particularly guilt-free. They are redone t-shirts. He takes surplus shirts, overstock, undersold, what would become dust rags or go to a landfill. He turns them inside out and prints a new design, giving them a new life. Got to admire that. He also cuts up cereal boxes to use for postcards. I'm telling you, I love this guy. And turned a box truck into a tiny home on wheels that he travels in around the country, meeting other people who've come up with clever, wasteless ways to reuse, repurpose, renew other things that would otherwise just get thrown away. So when you know a guy like Alex Eves, tossing stuff is not an option. You know, I'm on Pinterest, and that's both a source of inspiration and one more nudge against throwing anything away because, you know, you can turn anything into something else. I discovered and became completely smitten with these little creatures rooted in steampunk, if you know what that is. They're created from bits and pieces of pipe and springs, watches, tools. One woman who makes them calls hers Phobots, F-O-B-O-T-S. You have to look them up. I mean, I know that I've always loved anything with a face. It's a short trip from inanimate object to something that looks back at you. And that's one more trap for me. I found a spigot, you know, the thing you attached the hose to, with a little handle on top. All it's missing is a pair of eyes and maybe some limbs, but to look at it, you can see it's on the verge of being a thing. Not like I'm likely to finish the job, but instead of having been sent off to garbage purgatory, It sits on my porch, beckoning me to give it some eyes. Maybe a body. Arms and legs. Uh, necktie, maybe? Someday, little friend. But first, I gotta finish cleaning the attic. If you want, you can subscribe to the It's Me, Cindy podcast, because mostly it's me, Cindy, just wanting us to get the best out of life and have the most fun. Who could say no to that?